0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Rob Murgatroyd Show. Each week, I have conversations with some of the most fascinating people on the planet that can help you live a life of fulfillment. Speaking of fulfillment, if you wanna hire me as your coach, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if we are a good fit to help you create create and design your dream life and business. That's robshowcoach.com. Before we get into today's episode, our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind event will be in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the F1 race on November 16th to the 19th. So look, these trips are designed to get you out of your day-to-day, around some amazing entrepreneurs and provide bucket list experiences that will have you coming home re-energized to grow your business and bring your life to a whole new level. Head over to WorkHardPlayHardExperience.com and fill out an application. All right, let's jump into today's show.
1: This is just like taking any other product to market. The difference is Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And of course, there were physicians that would say like, this is a fraud, it's a scam, it's a lie. And it's it's really weird when you're the first one to do something, you get called a liar, like right out of the gate. And it's just like, you idiots, haven't even seen this thing yet. You haven't touched it. You don't even know how it works. And you're already banging a drum screaming fraud you don't know and so this is what keeps so many entrepreneurs just
0: stopped in the tracks dr john welcome to the show hey thanks for having me you know what man i am super excited to have you here because i'm looking out my window right now i live i don't know if you know this or not but i live in florence italy And every day I walk down the streets and I look at these statues. And when I look at your body, and right, right here, just through the zoom, you you look like one of these statues that I see walking down the streets in Florence. So I'm, I'm excited. That's what I was going for, actually. so (laughs) So I'm excited to try and figure out how the heck you do it. So before we jump into all the products that you've created, I wanna, I wanna dig in a little bit uh, on your background. And I'd like to talk about your dad. Your dad was an engineer. And he came up with 300 different patents. And he, he actually, if I understand correctly and did my research correctly, he was actually a part of or built the Lunar Rover. Is that right? That's right. Tell me, tell me about that. Like what? My my father was a truck Whoa. driver. That was <laughs> that was well before
1: I was born. So uh I don't. Um, that I mean, he had like a crazy, exciting life before I can. Yeah, I mean, he was a scientist and uh, an inventor, and very innovative. Uh, did a lot of things for General Motors. Uh, developed a lot of automotive technology, and then he worked for a group. Called Defense Research Laboratories, which was a General Motors-owned weapons contractor. Yep. Um, which obviously General Motors didn't want to really be in that industry, but what they did, they were the ones that built the lunar rover vehicle for NASA. And so it was really a small team. There were eight guys working on the team. They had a billion-dollar budget. Sounds nice, right? Um, amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and I, I think it was that project—the magnitude of that project. When he was done, he was like, "Wow! Like I just added so much shareholder value to you know the, the General Motors share price." Now, by the way, you'll still see the lunar rover vehicle General Motors advertisements. Like they have, they can use that forever. They have limitless rights to all that, uh, that footage and information and everything like that. So the idea was it was a billion dollar advertising campaign. And, um, oh, and one thing in the contract was if the rubbing vehicles didn't work for any reason, nobody was allowed to know they were made by General Motors. Cause you know, like, I mean, that's just like a stereotype. It's like, you know, like they, they bring the car to the moon and it doesn't work. And everybody's like, Oh, GM, <laughs> you know, like, right. that's, that's
0: not, that's not what our Lord wanted. They didn't want to so, be tied yeah, to it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. In what ways do you think your dad's sort of engineering background, entre- entrepreneurial spirit and in- inventor side of him, in what way do you think he has impacted what it is that you do huh. now?
1: He was always interested in the fact that there can be many solutions to a problem and uh he pretty much gave me uh this was not intentional but he gave me a kind of lack of interest in standard education because he would always say like your teachers are going to tell you this is the way to do something and what they should be saying is this is a way something. but there are ma- many different ways to go about solving all sorts of problems so he just didn't really care for the sort of standard answers. He didn't care for the standard technologies. Uh, he's one of those guys who, no matter what he buys, whether it's you know uh, a ride lawnmower or a clock or something like that, he will improve it. He will take it apart and make it a better product because he just kind of doesn't like the mediocrity of A lot of the products out there, and uh, it's pretty. It's just it's it's just a way of thinking that I don't think anybody really has of him, and so he definitely taught that to me.
0: All right. Before we get into the actual product that you created, I want to I want to approach it from a little bit of a different angle. You have delivered a product which we'll talk about in a second that no the market has never seen. Nobody's seen this. Are there, are there any particular approaches that you take when you are developing a new product? Because, you know, when you're creating something that nobody's ever seen before and you got a blank, you know, as I say here yeah. in, the, in Italy, tabla rosa, there's, there's blank slate, right? Mm-hmm. Are there any particular uh, approaches about how you look at something when you're trying to create a product? It usually starts with a population. Like when it came to
1: the bone bone density, for example, like my my mother had low bone density. Uh, She was diagnosed with osteoporosis. Um, Many people who are listening probably don't realize that kills as many people as breast cancer does. It's just not as dramatic. It's sort of like you have a hip fracture, you go to the hospital, you can't move around, you get pneumonia, you die. After the age of 50, you have a 50% chance of death within one year of a hip fracture. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah. So she was diagnosed with that. And like, she she was super active and athletic. And the idea that people are like, oh, well, you know, I work out or I ride a bike or whatever, I'll never have to worry about osteoporosis. Yeah, they're totally wrong. And coincidentally, we have discovered. How much force it takes to grow bone density you need 4.2 multiples of body weight through the hip joint to do anything at all to bone so like weightlifters don't get that and so once realizing that i thought okay how do we build bone in the first place well we do it through high impact little kids running around jumping that's how we build bone density when we become adults Typically, our bodies are too heavy to absorb some of the uh, some of the shock on the ground, what scientists would call a ground reaction forces. I always hated that term because the ground doesn't react. You do. But anyway, Um, (laughs) it's such an annoying term. But the. um, we, We go we go through a process where, like when we're young, we pound our heels on the ground and that builds bone density. As we get older, we shift our weight to the balls of our feet. To decelerate ourselves, and as we begin to develop and decelerate and absorb less impact, and bone density starts going down. So, what I wanted to do was create a therapy method where we could build it like it was built in the first place. And uh, and so it was a it was an impact emulation device, a series of devices which would give us the benefit of high impact without the risks of high impact. <clears throat> so, like. Somebody gets in a position to absorb high-impact force, uh, let's say like a, a shallow squat, like just knees bent so there's 120-degree angle of occlusion behind the knee, and then loading the lower extremities instead of with like two, 300 pounds, something you might do at, uh, at a gym, you are far more capable when you're just short of locking out the joint. These are the impact-ready range of motion. So if you're like, stand up on a chair and jump off, you would land with 120-degree uh, angle of inclusion behind the knee. <clears throat> so get people in that position. And even postmenopausal population has never lifted weights, ever. They're using 600 pounds first time. And, and then it builds up, and they'll, they'll, they'll get over 1,000 pounds. And so they're using uh and it continues from there like they're, they're the first uh kind of clinical trial style uh study <laughs> that we did was at um university of east london and the hospital we use called stratford village surgery and um the individuals there nobody had ever exercised of the test in fact we We didn't, because we didn't want somebody to say, well, you know, so-and-so had an athletic background. So maybe that's why they had higher bone density, even though they started with lower bone density. I do not want any of that confusion. So pure sample, never exercised before, poor nutrition. It usually accelerates the uh, bone loss problem, but also just general lack of activity. So we had a great test group. And then we, uh, we began running tests. And as these individuals started loading, their ability to produce and absorb force just went up so quickly.
0: Hey, it's Rob. I want to jump in and take a quick second to say you got to get a coach. It just makes a difference. A coach can offer you perspective and accelerate your goals so much faster. If you want to work with me, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call. All right, let's get back to the show. I listened to uh Peter Attia on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast uh probably two maybe a week or two ago. Did you, did you happen to catch that episode? I didn't catch it. No. It, it was good and he said uh he's got this he's got this thing where he's he's saying uh you know everybody's training for a marathon or training for this or that, but he's training for the hundred year old Olympics. He wants to be able to, you know, be a hundred years old and be in the Olympics, right? It's a metaphor really, but it's stupid shit. Like the ability to like, you know, pick a suitcase up. He's got this whole list. Like, could I pick a suitcase up at a hundred years old and put it in the overhead compartment on a plane, right? All this stuff. But he said something interesting. I'm going to get this wrong, but you'll get the idea. It was something like 80% of people who Are over sixty years old who have a fall, or maybe seventy years old who have a fall, will die from the fall. So, oh yeah, that's totally true. Which is, I was shocked when I heard that number, and it's like, and you know, Rogan's like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, it's like they when they fall, they die because their bones are so um, osteopenia, I I guess is what it's called, right? Yeah,
1: you could just say brittle." Really? Yeah, the, the osteopenia and oste osteopenia is like pre osteoporosis, so the bones become more porous. Yeah,
0: and yeah. they just and they and they just fall. So okay, so now you've got this device, right? So the device is called. You mentioned it earlier. It's called OsteoStrong. It's a OsteoStrong Spectrum System, which is the it's it's full birth name. Is that right? Did your homework, didn't you? I, 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 I did. I'm shocked homework. you
1: know that. Yeah, it's the Spectrum <laughs> System.
0: Okay, what were the steps that, that, are, that allowed you to take this thing to market? Like, how did, you, how did you go from idea to actually getting it in the consumer's hands?
1: Well, testing, because it was medical, you gotta do a lot of testing and documentation. You gotta publish. The quality of publication is not really all that important. You know, like, like for a drug to be FDA approved, you typically only need one study. Sometimes they'll ask for a second one to verify, but the bars are really low. And uh, now that's also a pharmaceutical, but, you know, for a physical medicine intervention like OsteoStrong, you're not giving somebody a chemical that's not found in nature. You're triggering the body to fix itself. So there's physical medicine interventions or what they call non-invasives are much easier to get through testing and uh and then and then they don't really give fda approval for devices it's more like a certification Mm -hmm. like as in they'll certify it won't hurt you we ended up doing that and uh and, and and it went well but delivering it to the market was it was a delicate balance of finding out what we could get manufactured trying to get it manufactured so that uh, a medical office could first support it and, uh, and get enough people using it so that it could be profitable. And there was some playing with that, but this is just like taking any other product to market. The difference is nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And of course, there were physicians that would say, like, this is a fraud, it's a scam, it's a lie. And it's it's really weird. When you're the first one to do something, you get called a liar, Mm. like right out of the gate. And it's just like, you idiots haven't even seen this thing yet. You haven't touched it. You don't even know how it works. And you're already banging a drum, screaming fraud. You don't know. Mm -hmm. And so this is what keeps so many entrepreneurs just stopped in the tracks why like, didn't it why didn't it stop you because i expected it because i oh. knew i would meet resistance and it was like that's just part of the part of the game
0: this is interesting right so now now we've got the first invention you have to deal with all the 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 ridicule the backlash and everything that's coming yeah. at it was the second invention easier in terms of all this stuff that you're talking about because you now had the credibility
1: you know I would have thought so. <laughs> but my second invention really had to do with loading of the body uh, from a fitness standpoint, not, not, a, not a bone density standpoint. So it needed to work differently. It needed to have full range repetitions. It needed to have a lot of blood flow. It needed to have a cardiac effect that was stronger than any existing fitness solution out there. It needed to be something that people who had compromised joints can have access or limited access to. Because basically, you know, like something that only works for like the young athletic population, probably not even worth going down that path because at some point it's going to injure somebody, which is most likely why it's reserved for young athletic people. You need something that everybody can, because if everybody can't use it, there's something wrong. Uh, or, or it's too risky or something like that. So I was thinking about all these different things. And I also, when realizing that a, a human is seven times stronger here than he or she is here, why would you ever lift a weight? I mean, that is why I wrote the book. Weightlifting is a waste of time. So uh, I wrote the book and explained that um, lifting a static weight is a terrible stimulus to try and grow muscle. Already, I mean, even inefficient weightlifting is better for your heart and your lungs and your circulation system than cardiovascular activity, which also chronically upregulates cortisol, uh, diminishes muscle, and preserves body fat. So, like, cardio is not the answer. Uh, And then, then strength could be the answer, but strength was done so incorrectly that uh, I, I really wanted to go deep into first variable, just kind of variable resistance research, meaning we changed the resistance from the bottom to the top of the movement. Well, when doing that, it became super obvious that, because at first I was thinking of just like writing a book because I was I was already really busy, with Austin was wrong, right? I, I didn't need another thing to do. Um, But of course, most entrepreneurs don't need another thing to do, but that's not what they do. Right. So I was like, I had this idea. I'm like, I believe this is going to change the world. Like we're going to be able to take an industry, fitness and strength training and um, point out why it's so ineffective. Um, I, I, I put this in the book, I put it right on the back cover of the book. Uh, fitness is the most failed human endeavor. Like we have about between home workouts and, uh, and people that go to the gym with males over 18, just about half that no, know uh, it's like 26%. Yeah. I don't know where I got to have, it. Uh, I was thinking of a different study. Uh, 26% of males over 18 are doing strength training. How many are in like spectacular Photograph-worthy shape, maybe one out of ten thousand, maybe one out of a hundred thousand. Yep. So rare. Yep. Like everybody I know with a with a decent six pack has a supplement my contract. Yeah. Except everyone, every male should have a six pack. All of them. So I just look, I just look at the fitness industry and it's just a joke. Like nobody's succeeding. They're pretty good at selling memberships. They definitely sell the dream, but they don't deliver it. And so <clears throat> I had a better solution. I'm like, okay, I got to bring this to market too, but I have a superior scientific argument. So there's uh, there's a 260-page book, and there's 250 scientific references in there. Here's the problem. I was used to talking to physicians who, when you show them science, they're very excited and impressed. The fitness industry, I didn't realize, and I was warned because I talked to a lot of people in the industry. They're like, oh, no, no, you're talking about the lowest common denominator. Like a lot of people who are attracted to fitness are just like not intelligent, like not at all. Like maybe some of the dumbest people out there. And uh, it was pointed out to me also that m- the mo- majority of fitness information is on Instagram and YouTube, pictures and videos. Why? Because a lot of fitness fans are illiterate. Or really can't read very well. And I did not particularly listen to that advice uh, because I was like, yeah, I mean, if you got a better solution, you got a better solution. Boy, were they right. And uh, so within a week of launching the product, we pivoted because I was focusing on a fitness uh, group of people. Basically, realized I need a smarter customer. Because they'll read the science and understand. And then once they all do it and become successful, then, you know, it'll go everywhere. Because the the people that just aren't smart enough to be able to absorb that message, you know, like. People who were violently opposed to the iPhone ended up all getting iPhones. But it took some time. Because once everybody else had one and was having a better mobile experience, they just sort of quietly, like you know, threw their BlackBerry in a drawer and went to the Apple Store. And I so, like, I know the same thing's going to happen. And so we started targeting busy professionals, and that changed everything. That was so. It was a slightly different market. And looking at who was interested in absorbing a more scientific message. Now, uh, a more intelligent person won't go to the gym year after year and work out with no results. But an unintelligent person will do that, thinking that any day now, they're just going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though right now they look like Homer Simpson. Uh, and that's, that is like, like 99, I I think it's 80% of males in the United States are either overweight,
0: obese, or morbidly obese as of this year. It's not mind blowing. How much do you think the, like, if you were to give a percentage, what percentage of diet has to do with getting the six pack versus, um, training? Great question. A lot of people
1: like to come up with, you know, having, being in great shape is like 80% nutrition and 20% exercise. Well, but that implies that exercise doesn't really mean much. It's a hundred percent diet and it's also a hundred percent exercise. Both need to be like, they don't need to be perfect, but they need to be, the exercise needs to be stimulating. Growth, which almost all workouts don't do that. Uh, And the nutrition needs to be giving the body the building blocks to build muscle and at the same time, reduce body fat. And another myth in fitness is that you can't lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time. Total bullshit. Like there's many studies that show if you're at a protein surplus, but a calorie deficit, you can absolutely build muscle and you can absolutely lose body fat at the same time.
0: Speaking of uh calorie deficit, did I understand correctly that you're eating one meal every two days? Did I get that right? I tried
1: that for a little that was for an experiment, but um uh, I eat one meal a day.
0: Now you eat one meal a day. So you're yeah. more on the uh, sort of and sort of approach to things. Is that right? Do you know who he is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mark's a very smart guy.
1: So I want to benefit from an intermittent fast. I have come to like everything I do is backed up by research. Calorie deficit. I definitely apply a calorie deficit every day. I still have body fat to lose. Until I'm at the body fat I want to be, I will have body fat to lose. Uh, but I'm very low right now. So that won't go on for much longer. Second thing is that a lot of these other principles that some of the, huh, some of the people in the industry that realize that their customers are real stupid. Uh, they think it's like intermittent fasting or... Calorie deficit. And because calorie deficit has more information behind it, it's been studied for 75 years. Also, it really hasn't worked very well for 75 years. But uh, they'll push that and then completely cherry-pick, you know, the studies that support calorie deficit, and they'll find some nitpick problem with every single study about intermittent fasting. I think that's I think they do that because they're they know their customers are stupid. And they can't approach it from a more mature standpoint which is there are benefits that are unique to intermittent fasting and there's also benefits to calorie restriction why not just do
0: both okay i want to jump in for 15 seconds and say if you're an entrepreneur grinding away and not taking time to experience extraordinary things around the world with other entrepreneurs you may want to join us on our next work hard play hard mastermind to dubai on november 19th. head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. have you ever been to uh to europe, mm-hmm. france, italy, any 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 of those countries? yeah. yeah, okay. I've uh, been I've been to
1: every country you mentioned probably
0: 10 times. Okay, perfect. This this will help so i moved to florence italy three months ago and the thing that has shocked me is i'm surrounded by people that are i'm 55 and i'm surrounded by people that are my age or older that are clearly fitter they're much more mobile um and i suppose it's because of the the amount of walking they're doing but the bigger the bigger point is they're all, I can't find an obese person here. I really can't. And I, and I look for it. It doesn't exist. And these motherfuckers are eating, you know, uh, croissants for breakfast. They're when they, I go out to dinner with them, there's, you know, they have like six, you know, the, 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 the antipasto, the preemie, the segundo. Um, and the only thing I can, figure out and not to mention they're all drinking at least two two three glasses of wine a day. The only thing I can figure out is they're walking a lot, the ingredients are better and uh the portions are substantially smaller. But yeah, I I right about what, everything. is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, also like um they're much more averse to like packaged processed foods. Yeah, like pretty much everything is kind of like the way it is in nature i mean yeah the pasta that's ground up grains and uh flour and then they you know they turn in a, in a pasta but other than that like they really aren't messing with much and so that helps a lot so one of the reasons food is processed is to make it more dense so uh meaning more calories in in, in, in a bite of food right so like if you, if you take a bite of pasta, you know, that might be like, I don't know, 12, 15 calories or something like that. You take an Oreo cookie and that might be 30 calories. Uh. So they're ramming a lot of, it, it's not nutrients, it's calories. And uh, when you can deliver sugar and salt at the same time, your body very much enjoys the sugar and wants as much of it as it can get. But it doesn't taste sweet because it's covered up by the sodium, which also helps you retain water, which gives a, let's call it a satisfying feeling when you end up retaining that water. So it, it's kind of, um, they, they just, they strategically made food addictive and, uh, and how yeah, the Italians, Almost nobody in the European Union, uh, with the exception of its uh its its latest uh, exit partner, uh, the United Kingdom. There's a lot of packaged food in the United Kingdom. Yeah, very but closer to, closer to America. They're closer to America, right? But like in France, like if you're looking for like
0: a, a bag of chips, you kind of have trouble finding it. Like that really that they, really that really helped me, what you just described, because that, that that was a piece I didn't understand because I'm looking at, even though the portions are smaller, I'm still looking at the the frequency of the meal. And even, yeah. even though it's a smaller portion, it's still a first plate, a second plate, a third plate, but calorically, it's probably lower because of what you just described, because it isn't processed.
1: Absolutely. Here's another thing. Italians skip meals all the time.
0: They so they're doing intermittent fasting. They just call. They just call it. I'm busy. All right. Two more uh, quick questions. Uh, first one is, what is your guilty pleasure?
1: Uh, I'm gonna catch hell for admitting uh, admitting this. I, I I do I do uh, I do like
0: vodka. Last question. We'll ch- we'll uh, we'll change things up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? What drove you to Florence, Italy? Well, I would say probably three reasons. Reason number one was um, I believe that we have nature, nurture, and I'm going to add one neighborhood. So my uh, my grandparents are from um, Naples, Italy. So I was raised with, um, with a bit of uh, Italian background. So it was kind of in my DNA. But When I am here and I'm walking through these streets, the neighborhood, the epigenetics, for lack of a better word, walking through what is ostensibly an outdoor museum, I feel inspired and creative and alive. So that would be the first one. The second one is the politics. I'm not a political guy. But you know, I've been around 55 years and uh, we are in a place right now in America, particularly where, as you've mentioned, people have one side or the other. And uh, it's so polarizing that I feel like I can't even open my mouth about you, you can't have an opinion about any. I don't, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or whatever you are, you just can't, you can't have an opinion without fighting. That got old after a while. And then the, uh, the third thing was I have a seven-year-old daughter. And it has become commonplace to have shootings in schools in America. And um, that didn't exist when we were growing up. that that never happened. And the amount of shootings now, it, it doesn't it, it ha- when kids get shot, it doesn't even make the news anymore.
1: Like Our, our country has a mental illness problem, and I, I think do. it's an SSRI specifically problem, and we're calling it a gun problem. It, yeah. it's not a gun problem.
0: No, a right. mental health problem. I think you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, one day, I was living in uh, Hermosa in uh, L.A. and uh, my daughter, my daughter's school, backed up my da- my home backed up to my daughter's school. And my wife and I are sitting there having lunch in the afternoon, and we can hear when the bells goes off at the school or whatever. My daughter was in kindergarten, and all of a sudden, we hear on the intercom get under the table, get under the table, get under the table. And we're like, oh shit, this is not happening. So we called the school and we asked them like, what's going on? They said, oh no, 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 everything's fine. We're just doing a shooter drill. I said, a shooter drill? She's in kindergarten. I said, well, yeah, just just in case a shooter comes in, we have to get them ready. She comes home with a a pack that has uh, tourniquets and bandages that they put in their book bag just in case somebody comes in and starts shooting. And it was the thing that I needed. That's
1: slightly manipulative.
0: Yeah. 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 That,
1: I mean, it's like it has happened a handful of times. Equipping every student I know. with gunshot bandages is almost like I know. That's propaganda.
0: It's propaganda. It's just
1: anti gun propaganda.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Our country is terrible. Yeah. We've got a <laughs> huge like manipulation slash tyranny problem.
0: It it got crazy. So then I just I made the I made the decision. I said, you know, I'm just gonna I'll do an experiment. I'll come here and see how I like it. And you know, it's been three months, and I, I don't I have no intention of leaving. I'm loving it. It could be beginner gains. I don't know. Uh, but right now, I'm uh, I'm in love with it. So. We'll we'll see what the future brings. Well, Doctor John, this has been fantastic. Uh, any final? Uh, you're welcome. Any uh, final words, suggestions, or an ask for people that are listening? If anybody's interested in um, learning more about the X3,
1: about uh, gaining muscle as fast as possible, being as lean as possible, as fast as possible. Uh, I have a landing page because my uh, social media... My last name is tough to spell for a lot of people. So it's uh, drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J, dot com. And uh, you can find links to everything there.
0: Beautiful. Thanks a lot, Dr. John. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game